Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. We are your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We are. And listeners, you know, it's fun because today we are going to have a little bit of a legal connection. And um, I was just thinking about that. You know, Jim, it's like whenever you're with somebody who knows law and everything, it's like, you're like, I hope I do everything right. (laughs) So I'm trusting that we've got everything, all of our ducks in a row today and we're ready for it. No, I know we are. Um, But listeners, if you have um, the opportunity to, if you're on Instagram, I just want to encourage you to go to I find us out there and follow us. And um, that is a place that uh, you can connect with us and see some of the stories that we are sharing um, and social media. So I work for him. Yeah, search. I mean, anywhere they're looking for anything about us, it's always I work the number for him, That's whether correct. it's social media or it's I work the number for him.com. Yes. I mean, out there, there's so much, so many resources, so many resources out there. So we want, really want to, we're going to dig deep into the judiciary today. And we're in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and this show made possible through a partnership with I work for him. Don Hoover from the from BCN right here in Lancaster County and the Pocket Testament League. All of these coming together to help provide phenomenal interviews for you out of this incredible area of the country. And we brought in Don Hoover today just to introduce our upcoming guest. Don Hoover, welcome back to I Work For Him. Hey, it's great to be here. Welcome back to Lancaster. We're so excited to be here. Tell us, tell us about who you brought for us today. Jeff Conrad is one of a kind. Um, no lack of enthusiasm, just about as vivacious and about as zealous and about as uh, straightforward as you're going to find. Just an awesome heart for God and placed strategically here in the judicial system. Uh, you're in for a real treat with today's broadcast. All right. So, but you, you've lived here all your life. I mean, I mean, how many... Jesus-following judges do you think there are on the judiciary here in Lancaster County? I'm aware of one. All right, so there's a significant... I mean, so do you see room for improvement on that in the judiciary here in Lancaster County? Of course. Uh, Pretty much like there is in any other area of service. Uh, Definitely. I mean, it's one of those things that we're just trying to encourage people to get involved in government in whatever area they can. Obviously, to be a judge, you're going to have to have a law degree, so there's certain requirements. But (laughs) Don, you interact with so many people... How big is the need for people to get involved in local governments, both city and county and state? It's absolutely huge. Uh, One of the stories that Jeff tells is um, his wrestle with a situation there, and he he calls it my dividing babies with the biblical reference, of course, which he may uh, reference in today's interview. But he really does get into gut-wrenching situations where he's on his knees in his chamber praying, pleading with the Lord for wisdom to know how Mm -hmm. to deal with the various situations. Okay, listen, we don't very often get to talk about the influence of Jesus followers in the government sector. I don't know why. I'd love to highlight more of these stories. So if you know one, please tell us about it. It's so important for all of us to realize we are needed in all areas of influence in this country, and we're desperately needed to represent the way, the truth, and the life while working in a government position. Whether it's at the city level, the county level, the state, or the national level, Jesus followers are needed in every branch of government, civil service, military service, or politicians. Yes, we even need Jesus following politicians. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to comment any further okay. than that. All right. 
Be proud of your service and encourage others to join you if you work in the government right now. So today we take a turn into the judiciary. The rule of law in this land is critical. The judicial branch of government was designed after the biblical example that Moses laid out to enforce the laws that the legislative branch wrote and the executive branch signed into law. Jeff Conrad was an attorney. Don't hold that against him. And decided he would he would like to serve the Lord by serving in the judicial branch of the county government of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Jeff brings the truth with him every day and a desire to be a light in the potentially darkest times of people's lives. Jeff Conrad, welcome back to I Work For Him. Good morning, you two. Great to be with you today. Yeah, we'll, we'll see whether you still feel that way when we're done, but okay. <laughs> Work me over. It's okay. All right. All right. Jeff, how did you know you had a, your, a call in your life to be an attorney? Other than your mother said... That you're always arguing with her. <laughs> well, I, I served in the United States Marine Corps, and uh, I just I always loved the the opportunity to, to think that you could fight for your government and you know fight for what's right. I had an injury in the Marine Corps and had to change directions. And uh, someone told me I was a good arguer, thought it might be a good idea to go to law school at one point, and uh, now I get a chance to fight for justice, uh, you know, in courtrooms. And uh, so it isn't about picking up a gun. It's about picking up a law book. It's about picking up the rules and regulations that people have to follow and trying to make them, uh, you know, work in people's lives. Mm. So you were an attorney. You were arguing in front of judges. What made you decide to flip that on its head and become a judge? Well, I like to think that people can be treated properly. Um, when you walk in front of a judge, you want to be treated fairly. And it was nothing worse than coming before a judge that was ugly to you, that, that treated you poorly or treated the litigants poorly. And uh, I thought... Or know, with bias. We're hearing a lot of that from attorneys. You bet. And, and so often. And I thought, you know, you can be um, a judge and still be a good person and be good to the litigants that are coming before you. And uh, that just talks about being having a good heart. And I thought, well, I'm sure I can do that. And as it turns out, you can be a judge and still be a good person. What kind of cases you're seeing? <clears throat> well, for me, I'm, uh, they have me assigned to the family law uh, division, mm-hmm. and I practice criminal law, and now I'm over doing family law. And I actually really enjoy doing family law simply because when you're doing uh, criminal law as a judge, all you're doing is calling balls and strikes. You know, what mm-hmm. piece of evidence should come in, which one should not. When you're over in family law, you're the judge and you're the jury. I'm the one that actually hears the facts, but then I also make the decision at the end of the case. And so I get a chance to be uh, very, uh, I can get into the case itself, get into the lives of the people that come before me in custody cases, mm-hmm. in support for people that aren't paying support for their children, uh, and also in protection from abuse cases, which I I get uh, often will be doing all day today. Wow. <laughs> Is that something to look forward to? Or <laughs> that's tough. I mean, how do you deal? I mean, abusing a child. How do you deal with the anger inside the righteous anger? I mean, how do you deal with? that as a judge because that's got to be tough righteous anger is something i've had to deal with all along when i was doing uh, when i was a prosecutor prosecuting child abuse cases i had to really check myself uh i had accountability partners even in my church with my pastor Mm -hmm. when they would see me getting ugly because sometimes it can affect you so having an uh, accountability partner to say hey you know jeff you look like you're getting really stressed out you need to drop some of this because when you do watch children being abused day in and day out or see the results thereof it 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 can have a psychological effect on you and so for me, dropping that at the feet of Jesus and asking him to take that weight off my shoulders, putting on the armor of Christ and getting back in there to do what I had to do the next day was very important in order to keep on being a good family man, a husband and a daddy to two little girls. So mm. I just I think the twisting factor would be so hard to deal with. I, but but we do have that unfair advantage. We have the Holy Spirit that will that can heal, that can bring wholeness. But you get exposed to a lot of brokenness in society all day long, all five day long. days a week. Right. 
how does having a – I mean, speak to everybody that's out there. That We have a lot of attorneys. We've even had criminal defense attorneys, actually, on the show. Did you know Jesus was a criminal defense attorney? <laughs> yeah, I got that. <laughs> so, he, was, he was. I'm with you, yeah. He was. Okay, so how how do you deal with the brokenness? How, how do you try to bring wholeness to the court where mm. there's so much brokenness before you? We talked about having um, an unfair advantage earlier today, and I think that we as Christians do have an unfair advantage in that when I'm walking in there, I have two broken people standing before me, and I have to recognize that I too am a broken person. I've made mistakes. I think humbling myself sometimes to the litigants and saying to a mom or a dad, look, you're now transitioning from a time period when you were raising little ones, now you're raising teenagers, and we've all had challenges in trying to raise teenagers. So trying to identify with them, and then uh, literally in the back of my mind, as I'm sitting there before these folks, I'm praying to God that that the words that come out of my mouth have some kind of effect on the listeners that are sitting there before me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I have so much success at it simply because it's, they're not my words. I'm, yeah. I'm praying, God, please, whatever I'm saying, it might touch these hearts. And so many times it does. And folks come to me afterwards and say, hey, thank you for what you did because you caused us to wake up and see what we were doing and, and mm. stop the behavior. So. Wow, that makes it all worth it, doesn't it? It does, and sometimes you have a self-righteous individual that'll be sitting in front of you. I've had a pastor uh, who's sitting there, and he's looking at me like, well, I've done nothing wrong, and to look him right square in the face and say, sir, you know that book that you say you believe in? Mm. Now, I can't invoke the Bible from the bench, but I can certainly, if, if he brought it up, I can certainly talk about it. Uh-huh. You mentioned about that book. Doesn't that book have something to do with forgiveness? How about the lady that you're now divorcing? Can you forgive her? Can you move on from that? How many times did Jesus say to, sin, you know, to, to forgive? Oh, I love that one. Anyhow, <laughs> the guy looked down at his, he said to me, he said, well, your honor, I guess you're right. I think I need to read that a little more closely. Well, I, I guess. <laughs> wow. I guess, right. You are, you are a dream just to think about because of the fact that I think a lot of people don't even see people in your role as a person. I'm just, you know, yeah, they, it's like somebody who has to make a decision, but, but you're saying it, I mean, you were, it really does affect you. And um, I love the fact that you're praying about it and asking the Lord to give it, you guidance. It's so much fun because you can't, you can't bring the Bible into the courtroom and thump somebody over the head with it. But I can certainly be praying in the back of my mind, right. asking God for the right things to do in this situation, in every situation. Yeah. And then just to see him reveal himself and make it happen. I'll be listening to a case all day long and wondering all day long, Lord, what do I do with this? Who do I believe? Because they're both lying to me. Everyone's lying to me. Mm. How do I sift through this? Nobody ever tells the truth. And nobody tells the truth. It's terrible. Come they, on. We do have the Bible in the courtroom. They put their hand on it and swear to it at the beginning. Yeah. But then do they follow that? No. They start lying moments afterwards. And it's very hard to uh, to, to, to sift through those lies. On, you don't ever, I mean, you just said nobody ever tells the truth. Are you telling me that never in court do people just say, I screwed up. I'm the one that's wrong. <laughs> you don't ever, you don't ever see people be have, honest. Have I seen that? I have seen that occasionally, but that is <laughs> that is the exception, not the rule. I can assure wow. you. But the other thing is to recognize that we're all sinners, that we're all liars, mm-hmm. and so I have to sit there and not be self-righteous when I do hear that individual lying. Okay, maybe there's a reason why they're lying. Maybe it's so awful in their lives what they've done, they can't even face that. Mm-hmm. So it's understanding as a judge that people will do that and then sifting through that to find out maybe sometimes the motivations or alternatively, what's the lie? What's the truth behind that lie? And why would someone lie to me? Mm. So. Uh, and that's the advantage you have as a judge because you can ask the Holy Spirit, can you just point out the truth here? <laughs> can, you, can you sift through that? Can you peel back the, the layers of the onion and show me? The truth. And literally, as the day is going on, and sometimes I start to get anxious as the day starts to come to a close, as I'm listening to the testimony, I'm like, please, God, reveal this to me. Mm -hmm. And almost always he does. But then there's that exceptional case when he doesn't give it to me. 
And so I have to let the day come to an end, go home, pray about it, sleep on it, and let literally let them continue to work my heart till I see it. And that happens as well. So, so you could tell that you could tell the litigants, hey, pound sand, I'm going home, I'm gonna think about this because I don't have an answer yet. And literally I have done that because I don't know. And and I, I can't force God. You know, when I became first got saved, I thought I could m- force the Lord to do things. I learned very quickly. <laughs> that ain't how this works. It's about me waiting on him the to reveal himself. The persistent widow thing is often over, you know, mis- <laughs> mistaught. Now that you're the judge, you might understand it better. But And that is, that persistent widow, though, I do get that. When you mm-hmm. do have that litigant that keeps coming in here and begging for help, I, I, you, you want to help that person. I, 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 I recognize that all the better now. So. Mm. I love the fact that, um, you know, we have been continuing this conversation about this unfair advantage that really is a, it's incredibly fair because it comes from our Heavenly Father, but it is not something that everybody has access to. So how do you, um, as a judge, how are you see yourself getting to bring the kingdom of God to earth? Well, I think it starts when the elevator opens. When I come out of the parking garage and the elevator opens and all the sheriff deputies are standing right there. Um, I've already been to the gym. I've already been on my knees that morning asking God to help me be a good judge. And so when those elevator doors come open and there is everybody, hey, good morning, judge, good morning, judge, mm-hmm. I get a chance to fire back at them. Hey, good morning. What's going on in your life? How are things going with you? You know, if I knew of something personal happening in their lives, I can talk to them about that. And that carries right on down the hallway as I bump into all the bailiffs and then put my robe on and go out on the bench and greet everybody when I, when I step onto the bench and, and take the bench. So again, I, I cannot say, you know, read such and such scripture and they'll help you today. Mm-hmm. But I can certainly take that scripture, put it on my heart and then pour it all over everybody as I come across them. Mm. Do you ever wear shorts under your robe? Never. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just I was to ask that something question. you've always wanted to ask always a judge, a- Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jim, no. <laughs> Sorry. I- of course, it's not Florida. You know, if, if it was point. Florida, you might be a Maybe little hotter. So. Well, they'd have the air conditioning 40 below in the, in the courtroom. That's true. <clears throat> Recently, a judge got significant notice in the news for stepping off the stand after ruling in giving someone that she had just sentenced really to prison, she gave her a Bible and a hug and telling her to forgive herself and that her life mattered and it wasn't over. What'd you think about that story? Okay. <clears throat> now, uh, that story to me is wonderful and scary, both in the same. <laughs> and the reason why is this. Again, we want to figure out ways to bring Christ into that courtroom. And, and, and every situation is different. So I, can't, I cannot judge that particular judge. Maybe that was the exact right thing to do in that situation because that, that particular individual heading off to prison needed that. But, you know, the converse side of that is that there's somebody there who has been victimized. And you have to be very careful mm. that you don't show too much favoritism to the perpetrator of the crime because there's a whole victim's family sitting over there. And what does that say to the victim's family when we're being all snugly with the defendant? Mm -hmm. So it's a real, it's a very interesting balance that you have to take in every single situation. And that particular judge on that day, I I hope that what she did was the right thing. Um, Well, she had just followed up because the victim's family actually forgave Right. The defendant. Right. And it, it's beautiful. Again, that one worked out perfectly. It was an amazing it, it was portrayal great of Christ. That the judge was able to recognize that about everybody and then infuse that. Oh, I loved it. I mean, it was great for me personally. I, I really enjoyed it. I have to be careful for me sometimes to recognize yeah. that there is the other side. And I have to watch out not to show favoritism uh, and make sure I treat them both uh, equally. But when you do see those situations where both parties are trying to say that they have a focus on Christ, Great. Well, this is the opportunity then to go ahead and slide it in because no one's going to be upset and everybody's going to be okay because they both accept that as authority. Hmm. And what's funny, I just thought about this now, that that judge who gave that defendant a Bible, 
she, she couldn't take it into prison with her anyway. She wasn't taking that with her. You can't bring a Bible into prison. <laughs> you uh, can get Bibles into prison, though. But I mean, you can get them into prison, but you right. can't bring it with no, you. No, you can't bring it with you. Because right? no, <laughs> I've got a friend in prison. You had to send it to yeah, him. Yeah, we have All to right. send him to him. That's right. All right. And when we come back, I really want to talk about the biggest reason that our listeners who are attorneys or, or, or that... I, don't, I want to talk about how do more Christ followers get on the get on the bench? How do we get more Christ followers involved in government service to bring truth into the position within the government? And Jeff, I love the stories, so I want to hear some more stories. But you are so describe your judgeship like your what position? So uh, on our court of common pleas, uh, we handle it's the trial court. Okay. So uh, some of the uh, fellows, some of my colleagues, they have criminal court. Uh, some have civil court. Uh, some are handling dependency issues. Uh, some are handling orphans court. And then, of course, I have family court, which is all the custody matters where folks are fighting over their children and fighting over how much support they're going to pay for their children, protection mm-hmm. from abuse, those kind of situations, divorce. Is that a busy job? It's it, you, it's constant. I mean, there's so much brokenness in our world. And uh, so many people are laying hands on each other inappropriately. They are inappropriately touching each other. They're inappropriately hitting each other. or In you front know. of you? In the courtroom? <laughs> no, that's what got them in the courtroom. Oh, yeah, that's okay, what okay, got okay, them. Okay. That's right. No, I have deputies for that. So uh, mm-hmm. that help me out in the courtroom. But, yeah, it, and it's a shame when you see how many folks uh, are so ugly to one another. Or the other thing is using social media to be ugly to one another. I can't tell you how many times I have to count people and they're they're so upset over what the other person said about them online and i said you do realize you can just hit the off button and it disappears it's into the ether you know you you don't have to do this just Mm -hmm. turn the thing off but so many people are addicted to that machine that they feel compelled to keep going back to that website where ugly things are being said about them well just Mm. don't go there you know Mm, that's a good point so um what would you say Obviously, we need more people with your perspective in your position. How can you encourage our listeners um, that maybe have never even thought about this, but they may be qualified? What does it take to be qualified, and and how can you encourage them to? In the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, to run for judge on the Court of Common Pleas here, uh, we have to we have a minor judiciary, so anybody can run for what's called a district magisterial position, district magisterial judge. So any layperson, as long as you're 18 years old and a registered voter, can run for that. That handles traffic court and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, to run for the Court of Common Pleas, which is our trial court uh, in Pennsylvania, you have to have, of course, a law degree, mm-hmm. and then um, you have to be a registered voter. That's really all the more it takes. Um, certainly having trial experience um, mm-hmm. is very important, and that's what you see mostly here in Pennsylvania. And then to head up to the uh, to the Superior Court or the Commonwealth Court, again, just a law degree, and even for our Supreme Court, you have to have a law degree, and that's all it really takes. And then a commitment to justice and a commitment to, to fair yeah. play. But you had to commit. To a decade. <laughs> you got elected for a decade to this position. Correct, yes. That was a big, I mean, you walked away from your law practice for a decade. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm still, I'll tell you, <clears throat> I'm still finding out ways to infuse Christ into the work that I'm doing now because as a practitioner, I would say this to all practitioners, there is a way to bring Jesus into the workplace. As a prosecutor, again, I was praying for justice. I was praying for the police officers to find the evidence that was going to be necessary for us to put together and the witnesses necessary. And mm-hmm. then convincing witnesses to be willing to testify in order to bring justice. As a defense attorney, I could be more interactive with the litigants, those defendants who have been charged with a crime, and trying to find out why they did this and get into their hearts and try to, there in the private sector, to be able to talk with them about Jesus openly. They were at their lowest point when they're coming into me for a crime they committed. And I would say this to the practitioners that are out there, don't be afraid 
if you are a lover of Jesus Christ, don't be afraid to talk to that person in their darkest hour about Jesus because you can take care of their legal needs, but you can also deal with those spiritual needs because that's ever so important. And there's no better time to talk with somebody when they're facing down the ugliness of going to, mm. to, to jail or losing a job or you know uh, uh, dissolving a family. That's the time when they really need Jesus. We all need it all the time, yeah. but, but their hearts are receptive at that time. And I could go on with the story after story about men that came to know Christ because they're about to go to jail. And some of them might try to find Jesus just because to look good, others needed Jesus and did find Jesus. So it's awesome. So being involved in the government world, some people would say never, and some people would say, well, okay, maybe. So talk to the listeners about, you got 15 seconds. Encourage people to, to get involved. <laughs> well, you can't be afraid. That's one thing. There's so many ways that we can bring Jesus to work with us, and one should not be afraid of that. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying to somebody, I'm praying for you. I care about you. What, what can I pray for you about? Nothing wrong Is with that Is there room for more Christians in government? You betcha. It's right. a wide open field. Wide open. You I bet. love that. Desperate mm-hmm. need. Judge Jeff Conrad, thank you so much for being on I Work for Him today. I know it's just a little bit of time, but we're grateful that you shared a little bit of that story, and we're hoping that many, many thousands will follow in your footsteps. I Thanks, hope so, Jeff. too. You betcha. You've been listening to I Work for Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him. Thank you for listening to the I Work for Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit IWorkForHim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work for Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at IWorkForHim to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at IWorkForHim and online IWorkForHim.com. I work the number four, him.com.